Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jams and Tea podcast, where we spin the jams and spill the tea. And this week, we're coming at you with two new reviews for two new records. We're going to be talking today about Kali Uchis's new album, Red Moon in Venus. And we're talking about the newest album from Slow Tie, Ugly. Yes, indeed, we are. And, you know, it's an interesting week and... A fairly slow week as well. I mean, these are interesting records and the records that have garnered a lot of hype as well. But I feel like it might not take us as long to kind of get to the heart of how we feel about these. So let's keep it nice and succinct. And again, as always, if you at home have anything you want to add on either of these records, we do want to hear from you because I do think they are fascinating and particularly the slow tie albums. So I'm looking forward to getting to that. But first, before we get to that, let's talk about Kaliuchus because Kaliuchus is... She's one of a number of different artists who kind of fit within the R&B and pop world who, you know, and this is probably says more about me than it does say about Kali as well, has always kind of been one of those names that I sort of been cognizant of. I call it sort of festival lineup core, where it's like Kali will be on it, will be a feature on a song or she'll be playing at a festival and she'll never be the drawer, but she'll always be someone that you're glad is there. Same world as Janae Aiko. Yeah, yeah. Never the draw, but you're always glad she's there because she has a mm-hmm. really, really great presence. She's obviously a fantastic singer, but she is a really, really talented artist in her own right. Uh, she's Colombian American, and she came to well. First thing I ever heard her on was Kay Trinata's fantastic song Ten Percent, and I, uh, because I've always been a huge Kay Trinata fan, I think he's one of the best sort of hip hop producers uh, working today. And she won a Grammy for that song as well. But even before that, she was she put out her a very successful debut record called Isolation, which I actually never got around to listening to. It's always been one of those albums that's been very, very popular. It's been kind of an R&B staple in the world of popular music for the last 10 years. But for whatever reason, I never got around to listening to it in full. So I feel woefully uneducated on Carly coming into this. But that only really made me more curious about this new album, especially because, you know, I'm not trying to lump R&B artists together because i think that's very very unfair and the artist i'm about to bring up is very different in a lot of you know very distinct ways but Mm. that said still having been a little bit cold on the kalila album a little bit less into it as i was hoping to be i wanted to see what was happening on a different kind of realm of r&b as well and a more american side of things as well compared to kalila's british roots and see what kali uchis is bringing to the table this year as well so i was really excited really intrigued to listen to this new album and it is a beautiful, uh, temperate, well-produced, mid-paced R&B album. Uh, at first, I was a bit floundering because I wasn't really sure what what more I could say about it besides that. Uh, but it is very, very beautiful. And Kali's presence stands out and she has this particular tonality and this thing that she does with her voice and the thing that she does with her songwriting as well, where it's incredibly welcoming, incredibly enveloping. She's able to set a vibe and set an atmosphere that's incredibly easy to just kind of fall into and melt while you're listening to it but also at the same time there is a level of depth and density to her production that i think can be easy to miss on a first glance or maybe not quite appreciate uh, when you're just kind of being lulled into the very sensual world that carly's kind of establishing with what she does vocally and i think that 
a good way of describing Kali is kind of deceptively simple in a lot of ways as well, because yeah, the songs feel very slight at first glance, but there is a muscularity to the production here, despite, you know, that it's kind of a weird way of describing it because the songs are so kind of eerie and floaty and ethereal, but there is a muscularity to the underlying production as well. There is a layering that I found to be quite impressive and Kali's voice as well. And her talent for vocal hooks really comes through here as well. I mean, I think of her as a great, hook as a as a person who can bring a great hook to an already to a song that just needs that extra cherry on top and she really demonstrates her skill here to do that particularly on songs like i wish you roses uh, all mine which is my favorite song on the record endlessly blue deserve me happy now she's very consistently able to give you this you know more than pleasant vibe and great atmosphere but that also feels memorable because of her presence and because of her character um, Jake, what are your thoughts on on Kali coming into this? Honestly, I'm in pretty much the exact same spot in like when it comes to the frame of reference and when it comes to my thoughts on this particular album. I think the best song on here is honestly uh, the pseudo opener because there is an intro track, which is uh, I Wish You Roses, which I think displays all of the strengths of this record up front there's these really colorful bright synth tones i think that Callie is at her best performance wise her voice is buttery smooth but the hook still kind of stays in your head and from a writing perspective there's also a nice little switch up where at like the first sort of parts of this song are about her you know wishing the best for an ex-partner but there's a, a vocal vulnerability that kind of comes in to subvert the confidence that she puts out on the first parts of the track at the end there and there are different like aspects of sort of love and relationships that are on this album that are explored that are a little bit more toxic sometimes a little bit more selfish it showcases a lack of communication between uh partners that leads to a kind of isolated self-interest and i find these moments particularly compelling but to me the album kind of waffles between two different modes where it kind of wants to be this sort of sweet summary R&B experience that just sort of goes from song to song and it sometimes feels like it has a kind of emotional arc to it and sometimes it doesn't and then it kind of rushes it at the end and I'm left a bit cold as to what I should think about the experience overall because I think that lack of commitment really does kind of hurt it a little bit because mm -hmm. There, there are moments where I feel like her writing really does go above and beyond just being like a good contemporary R&B album. And there is something more conceptual that she's hinting at. But it feels like there are moments that are a bit too brief for my liking sometimes. There are like uh, stuff like um, Worth the Wait uh, with Omar Apollo that's a little bit too scant to leave an impression. There are moments like Endlessly that despite their briefness, do leave a lasting impact on me but then there's stuff like the not too late interlude which is funny because it's longer than some of the songs on here and really doesn't need to be considering it just sort of runs out of ideas halfway through and just kind of drifts off into nothingness in its last minute but there are also moments like love between for example where the lyricism is a bit uh 
bit on the thin side, honestly. This song just kind of felt like it was riddled with cliches in a way that, like, made me really appreciate the writing on the rest of the album, which actually sort of keyed me into what I felt like she was doing on the other songs. And this just kind of feels riddled with sort of, like, very observational platitudes that feels very distinctly below her batting average on the rest of the record. Mm. You know, it's interesting, um, Kali's personality on this record, because I think that to a certain extent, she's not afraid to kind of appear a little bit brash or abrasive or certainly self-interested. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been quite vocal about how this is an album about self-love and she uses the language of astrology, which she's very passionate about in the title, but also the deeper meaning of that to her being that this is a record about her existing in a state of mind where she's very feeling very passionately being driven by thoughts of desire and not being able to control those thoughts and kind of allowing yourself to sort of be selfish and be kind of taken along by your urges and your wants and your needs. And yeah, there is this kind of dichotomy that happens on the, on the record between, for instance, between songs like love between and all mine, where Carly comes at this, you know, almost with love between almost trying to kind of convince this person that she's talking to uh, that they that their love and that what they bring to the relationship is what's most important to her but then sort of revealing after the fact that it's a really kind of a more of a possessive thing for her where her whole sense of control and her whole sense of ownership within that relationship is what gives her uh worth or is, is what makes it feel more meaningful to her and it is a kind of degree of selfishness and maybe even self-indulgence which feels a little bit you know it, it's a it's a decision that carly makes quite unflinchingly and i kind of respect it on the surface because mm-hmm. you know carly's not afraid to how she looks or how she appears to other people and this is a kind of thing that's coming through a little bit more more and more in modern r&b as well i think scissors sos has a lot of this as well where it is just this kind of forward this comfort and willingness to make yourself look less than flattering frankly and to make yourself look potentially uh even quite toxic as well and leaning into those aspects of your personality and being very upfront and very honest about them now i don't know see one of my favorite things about the scissor album is how kind of i think clearly scissor is cognizant of that and how she's putting that forward and it's maybe even you know allowing herself to be criticized a little bit whereas i don't feel as though carly is doing that kind of self-examination on the album as much as just kind of exploring those spaces of feeling those desires of feeling those urges of feeling that uh, need to have control as well and there is value in the way that carly putting herself forward in this way kind of subverts the typical way that men have put themselves forward in R&B and in this kind of music as well, and that sort of possessive nature as well, Carly giving a kind of feminine uh, counterpoint to that. And I do think that is a genuinely valuable attribute of the album that I enjoy uh, on a sort of broader, more abstract level. Uh, But it is a certain, it does mean that there are parts of the record where Carly is not kind of fully committed to that, that do feel a little bit more... (sighs) indecisive as well i mean the thing about carly is that she comes from a lineage of r&b and she's you know incredibly popular and prolific and sought after artist and she's sung in both english and spanish as well because of course she is colombian so she brings her latin heritage uh, into her music quite clearly as well she does that in parts of this record too uh i maybe might have liked to have seen a little bit more of it 
um, than what we get here. It does feel like a little bit of a flavoring rather than an actual significant attribute of what Carly is putting forward on this record. But, you know, then again, maybe that's not the point. I think the record really settles into its strongest stretch uh, towards the end, basically from blue onwards. I think the last four songs on the record, I find all very captivating and very interesting. Uh, I'm particularly taken with uh, Deserve Me, the song featuring Summer Walker as well, which I think has one of my favorite instrumentals on the entire album. Again, mm-hmm. I hate to keep using that word muscularity because it kind of is maybe a little bit too strong for exactly what this song does. But I find myself coming back to this quite frequently and I like the decision to bring Summer Walker on this song as well, adds an additional perspective and allows for an examination of these kinds of, not self-righteous or indignant, no, but like this sense of self-worth essentially that the song is about and being assertive about your self-worth and because Carly has sort of explored that already on the album it's valuable to have another perspective coming in at this point as well and also just as an aside um it brings me it's responsible summer walker's feature is responsible for one of my favorite moments on the album which (laughs) is the uh the couplet you don't deserve the love i give you make me want to take the pussy back I just admire the phrasing of that because it, it, it implies that Summer has physically gifted her vagina to another person and is is now seizing the, that asset. Uh, Did which, you remember to get a receipt with that? Yeah, like... exactly. Always, always get a receipt when, you, when you're giving the pussy. Uh, always get a receipt. Uh, <laughs> that's a valuable lesson, you know, and, and, and you know... Um, we can all learn from from Summer's mistakes here, I think, absolutely. Or from Summer's wisdom, I should say. Uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, Moonlight's a beautiful song as well. I like, again, Carly is able to shift between these modes of urgent desire and kind of self-interest into kind of reflecting on what is really underpinning those desires, which is a need for connection and a need for fun and a need for just sort of, being able to lose herself with another with another person and i think the record finishes really strongly with happy now as well because mm-hmm. thematically anyway because it it brings this sort of scattershot emotional journey to an end point that feels logical to carly kind of taking stock and reflecting on how all of these urges and desires and these feelings and these the way that she behaves in these relationships and the things that she wants and her responses to what's given to her, all of these things kind of boil down to how can she be happy and and the pursuit of happiness that Carly has kind of not really been able to master. And so I I like that the album ends in a place where Carly's kind of reflecting on that and doesn't really have any kind of clarity or closure. I also think that the hook is really, really catchy on the song as well. And I enjoy the general arc of the album even if i do agree i think that there's parts where it feels a little bit as though it doesn't have the clear sense of identity that carly's previous work appears to have um but i you know i have to profess my own uh lack of experience with carly in the past so i don't have a huge reference point here for uh carly's body of work and carly's album construction but look i really enjoyed this um i enjoyed it more uh, the second time I listened to it as well, once I kind of got a grip on what Carly was doing. And I again, I started to appreciate a little bit more what was happening substantively and musically in these songs than I did the first time I heard it. So yeah, I think it's a solid 
pretty strong record overall. Uh, I didn't love it the way I was hoping to, um, but there's certainly songs on here that I'm going to be happy to keep on rotation. Deserve Me, Blue, Happy Now, All Mine, I Wish You Roses, very beautiful songs and uh, really great showcases of Carly's skill and talents as a performer and as an artist as well. Okay. Shall we do our favorite tracks and ratings mm. then? Let's uh, wrap that one up. Um, Jack, when you go first. Uh, my three favorite tracks probably going to be Closer, Happy Now, um, which plays kind of like a Sade song on two times speed. The opener, I Wish You Roses, and probably Blue. Yeah. And least favorite track, eh. I know we generally don't like to pick interludes as our least favorite, but considering it is longer than some of the proper songs on here, I'm going to pick the interlude not too late just because I think it really kind of sours the final leg of the album a little bit. But uh, yeah, good. Uh, and I'll give the album a 6.5. I Wish You Roses, All Mine and Happy Now are my three favorite songs on the record. Um I don't really have a least favorite. I actually don't really think that anything stands out as particularly lesser than anything else. The Even the weakest moments on this record, I think, find a, a level where I pretty much enjoy them all. I will say, uh, rather than weakest song on the album, weakest kind of decision is that you bring Don Tolliver onto a song, a, a really good yeah. song too. I like Fantasy. Uh, you know, famously, a guest, uh, someone who who's, can be a really reliable guest artist to bring on because he's a very powerful voice. And yet, you know, it's the same thing as uh, with when we were talking about Gorillas last week when they brought on uh, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. They just yeah. put this processing on the voice that just does takes away so much of the charisma and the character that of the actual performer that makes them recognizably them. And so Don Tolliver sounds like a, you know, sort of like a, a bleating robot sheep. <laughs> rather than um you know the full-throated and very powerful presence that he usually is so i, I like the song fantasy a lot i think it has a really strong mm. um, beat and musical construction but it's a strange choice to do that to don Tolliver's voice I'm not a fan of that decision although it's kind of more funny than bad although i guess yeah. that's still bad um yeah anyway uh yeah i'm gonna give the album a six out of ten uh, which gives us an average of 6.2 for Carly Uchis's Red Moon and mm. Venus. All right, let's move along now to the new album from Slow Tie. And look, if you've been a subscriber of the channel for at least two years, then you may know that we have a history with Slow Tie. Uh, we reviewed his last album, Tyron, of course, named for his real first name. Uh, and we reviewed it, let's say, less than favorably. I think we were pretty harsh on that album. Uh, it was actually quite funny because that review sort of started out with, I think, us trying to be fair to slow time and then gradually mm -hmm. just sort of losing patience with the album as we had to talk about it. And yeah, it was a, that's that's what I remember. It was a frustrating record as well, because as a follow up to Ty to Tyron's slow ties, whatever you want to call him breakthrough album, nothing great about Britain. It did feel as though it lacked an immediacy and it lacked a presence and it lacked a sense of purpose that that album had as well. And Slow Tie, 
you know, he's had ups and downs over his um, short career so far. I mean, he came through on a wave of hype initially, and he was kind of positioned to be this game-changing figure who is essentially going to, you know, speak truth to power and be a kind of like uh, British hip-hop Sex Pistols-esque figure, you know, especially with Nothing Great About Britain, where he was kind of doing that 70s Johnny Rotten thing, you know, um, taking shots at the royal family and at the institutions of Britain. And... You know, I I I I enjoyed that about Slow Time. I I found Slow Time mm-hmm. to be a really compelling presence. I remember when he uh, was nominated for the Mercury Prize, and at the show he held up a you know de- a, a paper mache decapitated Boris Johnson head. Very memorable moment. Um, you know, he's had some less than stellar uh, things that he's he's done and said in in the time since then. And look, especially having to review Tyron, which was an album that really. I was frustrated more than I was upset or angry about slow ties um, change there because I felt as though the potential that he had to be a really distinct artistic presence was kind of getting squandered and he was leaning into some particularly annoying tendencies. I think maybe mm-hmm. even, even slow tie himself might agree because that record was made at a time where he was sort of in the news for more negative things that he was doing and saying, and sort of, he was in a bit of a low and he was, I think responding fairly poorly to the sudden rush of fame that he experienced. And look, that happens, you know, uh, when you're someone like slow tie as well, when you're, when you're young, when you're in your mid to early to mid twenties and you're suddenly thrust into the limelight, it's very common to not respond well to that and to have your ups and downs. But I think going into this new record as well, which slow tie said that he began working on, uh, basically as soon as he was finished his last album, because it was one of those things where I don't think he's outright said, you know, disparaging things about his last record, but I don't think he was hugely satisfied with it either Uh, it's one of those things where artists put a lot into their work and it's not until after the work is finished that they realize how unsatisfied they are with it and it's on to the next thing and I can relate to that um, not from a musical perspective but just from a writing perspective and a creating perspective Uh, it does happen sometimes you put a lot of work into a video or whatever and then you put it out and you're like or I just want to do the next thing now I don't Uh, it does happen and um so anyway going into this new record i my patience with slow tie was at an all-time low uh i was worried i would never enjoy slow ties music again because he's just an artist whose personality has a ceiling for me and there's an Mm -hmm. extent to which i'm able to fully get invested in him as a personality and i didn't really think that ceiling would raise all that much and to be perfectly honest going into this this new record i wasn't really expecting that to change and you know i'm i'm not let me not try and um build this up too much in the sense that i am not suddenly a massive slow tie fan or anything but i do think that he's done something really really interesting with this new record and he's forced people to start talking about him in a slightly different way as well as kind of doing some really interesting things with his own artistic personality and trying to reposition and reframe himself after you know, a a slow kind of steady decline in public estimation. And so, you know, I was hearing a lot of things about this album before I actually listened to it. The first and most dominant thing I heard was that Slow Tie had made a post-punk album. And I just want to get ahead of this from the jump. This is not a post-punk album. 
Uh, it is yeah. an album that draws from a lot of different influences. It is an album that shows Slow Tie musically and artistically expanding his boundaries in ways that I think are, for the most part, very commendable and very fascinating. And I, we see this happen a lot, I think. I feel like we see this happen with a lot of pivots. I mean, we saw it happen with Lil Yachty as well, although admittedly Lil Yachty's sonic pivot was certainly more a core part of what the album was. But it overtook so much of the discourse with the record to the point where it felt like people were reviewing Lil Yachty's genre shift and not Lil Yachty's actual music and the art yeah. that he was making and you know the the perspective and the vision of his own personality that he was putting forward. And I think that this is even truer with Slow Ties Ugly, which is an acronym for You Gotta Love Yourself. And it's an it's a record that has slow tie in a particularly i mean not that this is new for him but in a particularly kind of emotionally fraught place and he is rapping very frankly about not just how he's feeling right now as well and, and how he has responded poorly to the fame and the the shifts in his life that he has experienced but also reflecting a little bit more on the circumstances uh, of his upbringing as well and the place that he comes from and the kind of culture and and sort of social class system that he has existed within and the realities of that system you know which were things he was rapping about on his first album but here i think he feel there's with that first album it felt as though slow tie was kind of out to shock people and he was out to kind of make things as um sensationalized as possible to make his points whereas here there's a kind of grittier realism to what slow tie is doing in the best moments of this album that feel a little bit more potent and feel a little bit more like they actually have a certain level of depth in terms of what slow tie is trying to communicate it doesn't always work i think this is a record that puts a really strong foot forward particularly with the first half and then doesn't quite maintain that uh, in terms of the the good musical ideas and the executions of what slow tie is trying to get across in the second half flounders and flails a little bit but the best stuff here is by far and away the best stuff slow tie has ever put out in my opinion um and I'll, I'll get into why i think that is and what i think works and what i think doesn't work but jake i want to hear from you first as well coming into this if you had any kind of expectations and what your experience has been listening to slow ties bizarre new record honestly i think we're very much on the same page with uh the album releases this week because i largely do feel the same in broad strokes but it was interesting just because I hadn't really been as tuned into what people were saying about this album. So it was kind of doubly shocking to just sort of put it on. And, you know, like there is certainly elements of post-punk on here. But if we're talking about the genres that Slow Tie is drawing from on this record, I think that this fits into... Uh, what we talked about a little bit last week on our now episode with the model actors album is that I think this draws from dance punk more than anything else. It's a little bit more energetic. It's a little bit more drawing from kind of ravier, dancier shit that just feels a little bit more up tempo and a little bit more, you know, maybe geared more towards a sort of UK dance kind of thing. And I personally in terms of like, if you just isolate elements of this record, when it comes to the production on this album, it's rock fucking solid. I love the instrumentals on here. Uh, everything feels like, again, 
everything has a grit, but it also has a vibrancy that doesn't make this a, a, a colorless or monotonous kind of experience. Everything feels really invigorated and colorful, but it also doesn't really feel like it's, you know, disparate. It doesn't really feel like uh, all of the elements on here don't exactly mesh together well. I think that this is a really sonically cohesive venture, which makes it doubly impressive that this is such a, like, a huge pivot for him. Because yes, there are certainly aspects of hip-hop in the delivery here and in Slow Tie's just general style, but they really do feel like they blend everything together in a way that feels both unique and like it doesn't just sort of hit against everything else in a, in a way that just doesn't complement the material. Uh, and I think that this is best shown on, yeah, mainly songs from that first half, but on particular, the album opener, Yum, which this is a song that feels like the, the ideal mission statement for an album this is a really dynamic track where he kind of switches up what the song is doing on like a a, a bar by bar basis almost it sort of starts out with him sort of detailing how he's feeling being like uh a, a very much like catching you up to date with with slow tie and it just sort of unravels and devolves into this absolutely like hedonistic tirade that makes you genuinely kind of like concerned for slow tie at the end of it and part of the reason i think it's essential to listen to this album multiple times is that particularly the front half of the album a lot of it feels like it lacks a certain context on first listen and that leads to some of these moments coming across as maybe a little bit more one or two dimensional than they actually are. So once you're finished with the album and then you come back to it and you have some of those later moments to inform some of the earlier stuff, I really feel like that's what gets you along with this album or it certainly did with me just because there are moments on here uh, that just that very much played into my pre-established ideas of like what you were saying with like the the tendencies of slow ties that I just don't get along with as well or just kind of find vaguely annoying but but once you understand that this album is about the gradual disintegration of slow tie everything starts to make a little bit more sense. And some things that sort of you can dismiss initially feel a little bit more layered. And sometimes his more cartoonish delivery, which sometimes feels out of place on first listen, feels more genuinely kind of demented on the second half as, you know, he indulges himself into drugs and sex and all of this stuff that's just really like just him distracting from everything else. And when he really leans into this, this is when the album is at its best, which is why Yum is the best song on here. It's why I think the songs Selfish and Sooner are similarly very good. I also just really like the production on both of these songs. Um, Selfish in particular, the sort of reverberating vocals of the hey make for a really good instrumental hook that I just really get along with. But then there are songs like uh, Never Again, where he'll go and venture into like genuine storytelling that feels really, really ambitious for Slow Tie that I really respect 
even if maybe it doesn't all fit together, which is why I I must stress that this album definitely is a bit of a grower, but at the same time, the more I listen to it, the more I just kind of figured out what I don't like about it, which is a shame because I really do think what he's doing on here is really artistically admirable and I really respect it. And in many respects, I'm kicking myself for just not being in a, a state where maybe I can enjoy it more like most people. But at the same time, there are just kind of moments on here where Slow Tie ironically leans on the things that he did before this album, where he aims his lens a bit more outward, societally speaking. And it just lands with a huge thud for me. It feels like it abandons, like, you know, that sort of shocking element on that first album that was still very earnest was, you know, that, that was very much to that album's benefit. Whereas here, you know, you've got parts on songs like, I think it's, um, oh God, is it What's Funny? Where he talks about living in a simulation. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I... I, I I get that you still maybe want to lean on the things that maybe are the, the root cause of why you're sort of, you know, you find yourself in this like bit of a, a mental health crisis or, you know, the, the, the story on one of the songs like um, Never Again, maybe you're wanting to explore the, the root causes of these societal ills. But whenever he does that, he does it in a way that's very 13-year-old on Reddit kind of way. And it just really sinks this experience into feeling like it's trying to be all things to all people. And I, I'm really just kind of disappointed that it doesn't focus more inwardly on slow tie because that's when it's at its best even in that second half where it drops off a bit i still think songs like tourniquet or the closer 25 percent club or even falling where i even like structurally there's a lot of repetition in this song and i don't think it's a great song but just performance wise the way it just kind of revs up in intensity and then by the end he's just screaming his brains out it's great. I, I like this from just a raw perspective. So it really just kind of bugs me that the album is just, it's in a bit of an identity crisis. And that's not, and, and it's not at all for the reasons I thought I would be saying that because it's not like in terms of the sound of it, it's perfectly in line with what it wants to be. But from a writing perspective, I just think it's all over the place. I agree to, to a certain extent, but there's also a lot of what you're saying that I don't agree with. Um, I think there are, so yes, yeah, so, so I, I agree with some things. I disagree with other things. Um, so in kind of, I like that your, your categorization of this album kind of chronicling a slow descent for a slow tie. I don't think it's this purely linear one directional uh, movement, but there is this sort of sense as the album goes on of this encroaching sort of overwhelming kind of fear and terror that sort of takes him over. I think that really culminates with um, Falling and Tourniquet, uh, which are almost consecutive tracks on the record, if not for What's Funny, when I'll get to that in a second. Um, those two songs really represent this kind of like, you know, this horrible kind of low point for slow tie where he's essentially almost unintelligible on both of those songs sort of so wrecked by basically everything that he's presented to you on the album up into that point both in terms of the things that he's experienced in his own life which are detailed on songs like yum versus the things that he observes that he's both a part of and separate from 
as he talks about on songs like Sooner and uh, Never Again uh, and Happy, for instance. Uh, and you do get a sense of all of those things and the weight of all of those things really coming down on Slow Tie in that final stretch, which I think thematically works really well. When Slow Tie, from a writing perspective, uh, is focused more on the world around him as opposed to his own insular psyche, I think more often than not, it works for me. And I particularly would highlight uh, Never Again, which is actually my favorite song on the album, um, particularly because here's a moment where Slow Tie, yeah, he is doing some storytelling from a certain perspective. He's talking about uh, people outside of himself. He's talking about just, just horrible, tragic and, and awful things that happen to people that he knows or to people that he's observing. And what I think works about the song is that he is always a part of that narrative he's always an observer or he's directly involved and the song is to some extent about his involvement in these stories or his lack of involvement compared to how involved he could get compared to, compared to what level of difference he could make you know he goes back to that refrain of i walked away i walked away again mm. and again he's a part of these of the worlds of these characters and he can intervene but he chooses not to um, and this certain degree of self-concern is something he's already touched on in the song Selfish as well. And it's interesting, we talk about this album right after talking about the Caliuchus record as well, because that record is also about indulging yourself in complete self-concern and, and allowing yourself to put yourself first, no matter what, essentially, and how... I think both Carly and Slowtie would agree that that's an important thing to do. You have to put yourself first in their view because the world is not going to put you ahead of everything else. You have to be the person who does that. But both of those, both of these records, whether intentionally or not, kind of reveal the consequences of doing that and some of them can be positive for you because they can allow you to focus and they can allow you to start um, dealing with the trauma or whatever is affecting you i mean slow another overarching theme of the record as well is, is the fact that slow tie is in therapy and he talks about this on the opening track as well but of course the other side of the coin as well is when you put yourself first um particularly you know slow tie talks about being a father on this record as well then mm. the other people in your life are going to suffer to a certain degree because of that and that's one of the interesting dichotomies of the album that i think really comes to a head beautifully on never again and the consequences of that filter through into a song like happy as well, where kind of slow tie is, you know, you, you've gotten a sense up until this point of everything that he's experienced and the place that he's at in his life. And yet he's still not able to understand, recognize, rationalize why he's unhappy and why people aren't, you know, quick to come and support him or come and pick him up or, or come and help him when he is, you know, living in a state of being so self-involved and also being a celebrity as well, who is affording himself all of the indulgences that come with that. And I want to give Slow Tyson some credit here because artistically, I feel as though he's doing this intentionally as the record goes on, as Slow Tie reveals his self-indulgent and sort of selfish way of living you get a sense of the consequences of that and you get a sense of how that doesn't really bring him the happiness that he was hoping or expecting that it would the other side of the coin the moments where it doesn't really work as well the moments where slow tie kind of tries to be a little bit more irreverent and tries to maybe tackle some of the aspects of observational storytelling that he does on a song like never again but does it in a little more of a crude way yes i'm talking about what's funny easily the worst thing here a complete <laughs> fumble 
uh i wish this song was not on the album especially because it breaks up falling and tourniquet which like i said before i think those two songs work really well together as showcasing his complete collapse but you have this almost overblown skit in the middle of it where slow tide tries to do this observational gritty realist storytelling where he talks yeah. about you know, how the mother has to resort to prostitution and the kid doesn't understand the lives of the adults around him and his teacher ends up getting killed for a, a from for some kind of like crack thing that goes wrong and you know and slow tie sees himself here as doing a kind of like you know modern ken loach realist observational thing and it doesn't really work at all although i like the part yeah. the, i like the part of the outro where he kind of mocks the sort of tory class who remain oblivious to this with that little voice he does where he's like hello good sir how you doing today are you having a laugh you fucking extravagant cunt uh, <laughs> yeah that part's pretty good which is a funny little um thing at the end although you know just the the part with where, where, anyway where's wally what are you talking about anyway um yeah so there's moments it doesn't work and there are moments where it all gets a little bit too chaotic for there to be a, co a cohering through line in some of the songs at the center of the record as well and I think as well that for the reasons that you stated, Jake, songs like Falling and Tourniquet work because they show you this complete collapse that's happening thematically, though musically and as fulsome songs, they do leave me a little bit wanting, um, particularly Falling as well, which kind of feels a little bit like a kind of slightly hokey execution of the kind of part of the story that Slow Tire is trying to get across here. It just yeah, I've heard this before. Basically, mm -hmm. tourniquet, tourniquet is a little bit better and benefits from a slightly more minimalist and sort of brutal approach production-wise, but still has a ceiling for me. I think this the album finishes really strong with the closing track as well, which has a little bit more of a a little bit more of a kind of sense of optimism coming through it. There's a little bit more of a brightness in the production as well, a little bit more of um of a twist on the sound that Slow Tie has established up to this point. And I think that I like the chorus as well. I like the hook. I like the way he sings it. I think that it lets the record find a nice and slightly gentle place to land without losing sight of the darkness that's inherent to Slow Tie's worldview as well. Like he still sees himself as, uh, you know, walking hand in hand with his loved ones to hell uh, and having a sort of devil inside him and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it still feels as though it's a logical endpoint uh, that has a sense of reflection and brings the story to a place that feels like, okay, this is, this is makes sense to stop here. Um, you know, it ends with the idea of, of rebuilding as well in the chorus. So yeah, it, it has a nice arc to it. It has a lot of really, really strong moments. Um, I didn't really say much about it, but I really love the song Sooner. I like the fact that it has these mm. kind of TV on the radio-esque sort of indie rock, indie tronica vocals. In fact, the vocals just sound a lot like TV on the radio. And the song itself reminds me a lot of that sort of mid-2000s, more abrasive um, take on indie rock with synthetic production that Dave C. Tech of that band often brought to a lot of the music coming at that time. Uh, really, really strong. But yeah, I... The album grew on me. I think you said it well as well. It is a record that it takes a little bit of an adjustment to kind of pick up on what Slow Tie is doing. The fact that there is such a strong through line and especially when the record starts as just 
pedal to the metal with yum as it does it takes you a while to kind of recover from that and realize that the whole album is not going to be like that and there's a reason why the whole album is not going to be like that but i think the variation that slow tie displays both in terms of the perspectives on this album but also the sonic stuff that he experiments with it all works more often than it doesn't frankly and i think that and I, I feel more excited about Slow Tie and I feel more excited about Slow Tie's artistic potential than I did after his last album. And, you know, he's done a kind of thing. I think he said in an interview as well. I can't quote him exactly, um, but it was sort of like what Lil Yachty said. And Lil Yachty doubled down on that this week, saying that, like, uh, you know, Let's Start Here is, is my real first album and the other shit I, I, I feel nothing towards anymore. And this is kind of the beginning of what I want to be. Um, slow tie said similar things about this record feeling as though it's the kind of album that he's wanted to make or he's wanted to have the ability to make since he started making music and that i like that i like that sense of of clarity and confidence and satisfaction with what he's done you know it doesn't all work for me and obviously not all for you either but it feels as though it has this vision and this understanding of the different strengths that slow tie has that more often than not it pulls off pretty well it's kind of relieving knowing that he said that to me because I was kind of worried that this would be just kind of a one-off like he he might be having like a bit of an emotional spiral and he's like channeling it with this sort of disparate genre turn and then he might like return to it afterwards but that to me signifies that maybe he's going to want to channel this maybe a little bit further down the road. And I find that a lot more interesting and a lot more exciting. And it feels like, it feels like this is kind of his attempt to make his some rap songs in some respects where it just sort of like pivots into one very specific aspect that was like kind of in his sound before and just go so far off the deep end that it just really signifies a sort of emotional change from within. And, and I hope that that, is carried on further because I really like that. I really respect that. And I feel like he could build upon it more successfully from here. Mm, absolutely agree. All right, let's do our favorite tracks and ratings then. Uh, I'll go first. My three favorite tracks are Yum, uh, Sooner, and Never Again. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about Sooner that I forgot was that uh, I, I mentioned it reminded me of TV on the radio. The more relevant mm. reference point that some of the earlier moments on this record, particularly just in his delivery and in his storytelling reminded me of is the streets which i'm sure is a huge influence on slow tie because you know the streets is one of the most foundational acts of uk hip-hop in the 2000s and particularly that second streets album a grand don't come for free which is like you know it's a 50 minute single narrative concept album essentially that is basically all storytelling and i feel like slow tie is pulling from that as a reference point quite consciously um, throughout this record which is really cool to me because um i i think that that's a reference point that because yeah, that album was huge and the streets were really really big in the 2000s but people have kind of forgotten about them now so that was really really cool to me to feel that energy coming through and i think mike skinner is a very clear reference point for slow tie and a, a healthy one in terms of helping him to hone what he's already really good at and make it even better uh, least favorite is what's funny uh and what's I'm, funny what's funny what's funny i'm going to give this a 6.5 uh my three favorites are the first three tracks yum selfish and uh sooner 
Um, my least favorite track. Um, it's probably Fuck It Puppet, and I'll give it a six out of ten. Alrighty, six point two again for Slow Ties. Ugly. Uh, let us know what you think of either of the albums we've discussed today, Kaliuchis' Red Moon Venus and Slow Ties Ugly in the comments below. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Are you more towards the dislike or are you more towards the like and love arena? I mean, a lot of people love both of these albums. They're doing very well um, commercially and critically for these artists. So let us know where you fall in the comments below. If you enjoyed this conversation, please give the episode a like and subscribe if you haven't already. Both those things help us out a lot. We'll be back in two days' time with a now episode talking about the latest in music news as well as talking about great albums from bad artists which is a bit of a flip on last week's topic that we're really excited to get into if you want to go above and beyond and support us directly for just one dollar a month you can hit the join button and become a member of the jams and tea family get your name and the title call of all of these videos plus if you want to recommend us some music to listen to and talk about your recommendation will go to the top of the pile as always though folks rock over london Rock on Chicago, L'Oreal, because you're worth it. <laughs>